Here at Miss Teacher Mom, we recognize the great privilege and responsibility that we have as parents to educate our children. Beyond math and phonics, this also includes building their characters, molding their hearts, and reaching their souls. A burden too big to carry on our own. We sense the call to missional motherhood, but we could use some help from those who have more experience and wisdom than us. So we're calling upon some wonderful godly women and men to encourage and equip us as we seek to raise our kids with eternity in mind. Last week, we discussed the value of creating and implementing a family vision. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you'd really benefit from hearing part one before listening to this one. Thank you so much for your willingness to continue this series with me, Mel. I'm really hopeful that this will help parents who hope to work through various aspects of raising our kids. Today, we're talking about creating a spiritual vision for our children. As Christians, we understand that our kids are souls with bodies, not bodies with souls which makes the spiritual vision the most important, even though all aspects of our children intertwine. How would you define a spiritual vision, Mal, and what factors did you and Robert think through when creating a spiritual vision for your kids? Okay, so I think this is where I should admit that Robert and I did not do this vision thing very intentionally at first, and we certainly never did it perfectly. So we were really kind of flying blind, coming from families that did not have any kind of vision, at least not one communicated, um, let alone a spiritual vision that they shared with us or seemed to implement, aside from taking us to church. My family especially never really talked about religion or faith at home. There was no Bible reading, praying, aside from maybe just a rote prayer before dinner. Um, So I first encountered families with a spiritual vision for their kids when I was in college. And I had the privilege of babysitting for a couple of Christian families when I was a student. And I just learned so much about how to do Christian family life from them. So if we go back to defining and creating a spiritual vision for our children, again, Uh, The definition of vision is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. So if you apply this to a spiritual vision, you probably want to think first in big categories like theology, doctrine, how you hope they will see, understand, and walk with God. And then think about smaller incremental steps toward that bigger vision like prayer, church life, family devotions, catechisms, scripture memory, things like that. So um, since we are a pastor's family, there was just a ton of spiritual osmosis going on, I I feel. (laughs) My kids were hearing testimonies of new believers at baptisms regularly. They were observing people around our dinner table and listening to them talk about their relationships with God. They were setting up chairs in borrowed space for worship, filling communion cups, going on mission trips helping their dad fill the baptism tub, making hospital visits alongside us, running PowerPoint slides, you name it. They were just really involved in all aspects of church. So recently I was talking to a young mom who's a good friend of mine. She has two toddlers. And she asked me this just big question, which was, how do you raise kids? And what I came to understand she really meant was, how do I raise godly kids in my home. And so I started thinking about all the things I could tell her, but what ended up coming out of my mouth was just take them to church. So I think the kinds of experiences my kids had in the church 
certainly do not have to be limited to the pastor's family. Every family can be a part of the life of the church in this way. Every family can invite believers into their home. They can ask uh, to hear testimonies in the hearing of their own kids. They can participate in mission trips and small group Bible studies. They can make hospital visits and deliver meals to folks who are sick or just had a baby. And then while you do those things, you can talk about why you're doing them. Um, it's because of the gospel, it's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's because he wants us to serve others. It's because we love him and we want to honor him. So I, I truly think this is the best way to impart faith to our kids, involve them in the community of faith and talk frequently about our own faith. But as far as just practical steps toward a vision of seeing our kids come to know Christ and enjoy him forever, some of the things we did were reading through a book of the Bible after dinner or after breakfast, um, just at whatever level our kids could manage at that time, uh, however old they were, um, and then discussing it as much as possible and praying afterwards. We worked on scripture memory off and on. Um, since we homeschooled, Bible was always one of their school subjects. So um, oftentimes for their Bible in elementary or junior high, they would do a lesson in a Bible study specifically designed for kids. Um, usually these were on a book of the Bible or a Bible character or a topic like fear. And then when they got into high school, they worked through, um, it's a navigator, designed for discipleship Bible study books. It's a series of them. Uh, they also went on a mission trip alongside a parent when they were younger, like elementary school, junior high age. And then in high school, each took an international mission trip without a parent. Uh, then from ages 12 to 13, uh, we gave our kids a list of books to read on Christian topics like missions, evangelism, some missionary biographies, theology, dating, things like that. And then we also challenged them to memorize a longer passage of scripture by the end of that year. Um, so for example, my daughter memorized the first two chapters of Philippians. And so I think we emphasized Bible reading so much because of the promises attached to it by God. So I love what Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11 say. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read those verses. They say, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So according to these verses, it is not possible for God's word to go out and not cause growth and bear fruit. And then Deuteronomy 6, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, it paints this grand vision for the spiritual development of children and the responsibility of parents in that. So it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words I'm commanding to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
So though Robert and I didn't technically write down a spiritual vision for our children, looking back, I can see the spiritual vision that we were working toward, which was kids who know and love the Lord, who delight in his word, and who participate in the local mission of the church and also the Great Commission by reaching the nations with the gospel. There is so much to unpack there. I can see how as Christians who love the Lord and his church and the lost, that you would be intentionally raising your children to love the Lord and to love his people and to love others. And I'm encouraged to see all of the ways that you guys did that. And I'd love to hear a bit more about your family. Um, Did your children become Christians at a young age? How did your children's spiritual journey impact implementing and tweaking the spiritual vision that you created for them? I imagine that this might look different for a child who becomes a Christian at a young age and a teenager in your home who may be struggling with his faith or even hostile to the gospel. Yeah, um, great question. I think it's always interesting to hear this and also encouraging. But so two, I have three children. Um, They're like, I think I said this before, but they're in their 20s. One is 25, one's 23, one's 20. So two of them became Christians at fairly young ages. My oldest son was about 10. My daughter was six. Um, They even got baptized on the same Sunday by their dad, and I read their testimonies. So I kind of worried about how this would affect our middle son, who was definitely our family skeptic and would often sort of sabotage our family devotions with a bad attitude or inappropriate disobedient behavior. Um, He was able to express his concern to us over not being baptized like his brother and sister, but we really tried hard to just reassure him. We had absolutely no expectation that he'd get baptized until he was ready and um, knew that God was leading him to do that. So after several conflict-filled high school years, he took a gap year after high school. It was, that was even challenging. He spent the time working in California and living with um, my brother and his wife. And even in emotionally difficult first year of college, which was at a Christian college that he chose, he ended up becoming a Christian during his sophomore year of college at age 21. And I honestly have never witnessed a more immediate or obvious conversion in someone. Everything changed, including our very tense relationship with him. So now this kid memorizes scripture, reads it on his own, uh, chose to be in a discipleship relationship with an older seminary student, loves to talk theology, actively shares his faith. I've just never... um, seen or had my prayers answered more abundantly or specifically than the ones I prayed for him, which of all the kids he was definitely prayed for the most. Um, We didn't really change anything we did spiritually because of this one kid's skepticism, but we did try to accommodate his questions by giving him age appropriate books to read. So he really was never hostile to things of faith. He didn't resist going to church. Um, He didn't even resist going on mission trips or to youth camps. He did all of those things pretty willingly. It was just that he had a lot of doubts and just really wasn't converted. So we bought him the kids version of the case for Christ by Lee Strobel, and he actually really loved it. 
Um, it seemed to address the very things that he was confused about. Then we gave him the case for faith, and he loved that too. So interestingly enough, part of what led to his conversion was a New Testament professor that he had at his Christian college. And so this professor had some pretty, uh, I would say, some liberal views on the Bible. And so my son, sitting in his class, listening to this man's interpretation, compelled my son to search the scriptures himself. And he came to very different conclusions on some things than his professor. So this kid of mine has a really um, logical mind. And God, that's, that's what God ended up using um, for him, for my son to deduce that his professor was maybe not teaching in accordance with God's word um, and that God is indeed real and the gospel is true. So he used this college class and this sort of uh, liberal leaning professor to do that. So I knew he needed convincing intellectually, but I just never would have guessed that this is how it would have ultimately come about. And I'm, I just marvel at it. I thank God for it. So I would definitely recommend um, those books for kids or I haven't read the adult version, but um, you know, the kids books were really helpful to my son. I'm thankful to hear that your son's unbelief didn't cause a lot of tension or at least didn't require you guys to change up what you were doing um, for the sake of harmony in the home. But do you have any advice or tips for people who really are finding their child's disbelief to be really difficult in the home? I think of my sweet two-year-old who's extremely strong-willed and isn't invited to family devotions yet because of her behavior. <laughs> and she's only two, so we have time to work on that, and I'll pray with her on my own while Ademi reads to Elena. But, yeah, do you have any encouragement, or would you really encourage moms to just keep on keeping on, keep doing what you're doing, encourage them to respect the rules, and get on your knees and beg the Lord to use it? Um, do you have any other tips, though, for parents who are really finding their kiddo butting heads at every time the Lord is brought up or they try to, like you said, serve the church or do things that are really conflicting with their little sweet sinner's heart? <laughs> yeah, I, I think what you said, um, keep on keeping on. I think in general, that's the the way I would go um, to, especially when they're pretty young to, you know, this is just what we do as a family. We read the Bible, we pray, uh, we go to church. Um, so I would, in that respect, especially when they're young, just incorporate them into the family practices, faith practices. I think as they grow older, it's really important to be a little bit more sensitive to their own preferences. So now I, I, I would not recommend, you know, letting them opt out of church or opt out of family devotions, but I wouldn't press on them to be fully engaged and just let them experience it as much as they're able. I think that's what pushes kids away when they're expected to have a response or to be all in 
in a faith that truly isn't their own yet. So I think it, it may depend on their age. Um, and when they're younger, they just don't really have a choice as much. And then when they're older, being sensitive to their hesitations, their reluctance, and trying to work around that as much as you can. Yeah, I think you're making a good point. And I totally agree with you that during those younger years, they need to learn to obey their parents because we know right. what's best. But I'm encouraged to hear what you're saying because I think as parents, we do need to consider what we're expecting of our children regarding whether they're believers or unbelievers. It's We should be confronting them very differently if they are proclaiming believers who love the Lord versus a child who is not a believer and hasn't been made new through the power of God yet. So exactly. I think that that's really helpful, just encouraging us to reflect on our own hearts and minds and what are our expectations. And if we're frustrated because they're not meeting our expectations and those need to change, or if it's truly just a spiritual battle where we need to beg the Lord to save them and continue um, lovingly guiding them and raising them, like you said, with that flexibility in mind. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's helpful. Yeah. I'd love to end this episode by asking if you have any resources you'd recommend to parents who want to think intentionally about this aspect of molding their children. Yes, I, I would recommend the books by Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. Um, we got the kids level books and I, I actually haven't read the adult version of those books, but I know the kids books were extremely helpful to my son who was truly just a skeptic from a young age. Like, is the Bible true? How do we know? Things like that. Those books answered his questions. And then for parents, I would recommend two books, one shepherding a child's heart by Ted Tripp. And then another book age of opportunity, which is the subtitle is a biblical guide to parenting teens. So shepherding a child's heart is more for younger children. Age of opportunity is more about older teens. And that's by Paul David Tripp. Both books are just general parenting, how to discipline type books, but both books offer a gospel framework that really helps parents impart faith as they relate to and discipline their own children. They were very helpful to me. Thanks. I look forward to looking at those. I have listened to the first one that you mentioned, Shepherding a Child's Heart, and it was really good. So thanks for sharing that. Hopefully moms will check that out. And thanks so much for your time. I look forward to recording part three with you. Of course. I hope that today's episode was a blessing to you. Did you know that I've also written a handful of children's books? You can check those out at MissTeacherMom.com. And please join us next week for another episode on the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.